Hello, hello. Hello. I'm Sarah. I'm Casey. And we are Relatively Relatively Dark. Dark. Tell me about what's going on. I was going to say this murder, but you I don't, don't know, know what, what it is, is yet. <laughs> Today, we are talking about the disappearance of Bryce Las Pisa. Okay. Have you ever heard of this? No. I am shocked. Are you? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> um, so, I'm going to tell you ahead of time. It's an unsolved. Okay. Because it's a disappearance. Okay. Bryce David Laspisa was born on April 30th, 1994 in Illinois. He is the only child of Mike and Karen Laspisa. And I want to say is instead of was because we don't know. Right. I may mess up later on in the episode, but we don't know. His friends described him as a funny, happy guy that could light up a room with his charisma. Hmm. And when I tell you he has the biggest, most contagious smile, he has the biggest, most contagious smile. Such a pretty smile. Uh, He was a talented artist. He was always drawing, and he graduated from Naperville Central High School in 2012. After he graduated, the family moved to Laguna Niguel in California. And when they moved there, Bryce attended Sierra College in Rockland, which is about seven and a half hours from his parents' home. His freshman year of college, he met a fellow student named Kim Sly. And they started dating. Okay. Um, According to his friends, he seemed really happy with Kim. And his mom, Karen, said that she taught him to be very respectful. And that's how he was toward Kim. Okay. Bryce spent the summer before sophomore year at his parents' home in Laguna Niguel. And they said everything was normal. Bryce seemed to be acting normal. His happy self. Nothing for concern. Uh, But two weeks later, when Bryce returned to Rockland for school, people started noticing a change in his behavior, and he apparently seemed like a completely different person. Wow. Bryce's roommate, Sean, actually calls Karen, Bryce's mom, and he tells her that he's acting strange, and the day before he had called her, he had texted Kim and said, maybe you're better off without me. So she's asking, like, are you breaking up with me? And he says, yes. Okay. So things are already weird because by all accounts, Bryce was happy with Kim. Yeah. And Sean also tells Karen that he started noticing this change in Bryce's behavior after one night they were at a friend's house playing video games and they were taking a drug called Vyvanse to stay awake, which is an ADHD medication. Okay. I thought I'd heard it before. Yeah. So it has like the opposite effect on people who don't have ADHD. Right. Uh, not long after she ends the call with Sean, Karen gets a call from Bryce. And he tells her that he's at Kim's house, which was about 90 miles away from his apartment. So he's at her house and she won't give him his keys so he can leave. And he tells his mom, she's just upset that I broke up with her. You know, I just want to leave. I just want to go home. So Karen tells Bryce that she's going to fly out there the next day and check on him because something's not right. And he says, you know, no, don't come out here. And he tells her, don't make an airline reservation until I talk to you because I have a lot to talk to you about. Okay. Karen later said Bryce seemed to be fine and she told Kim to give him his keys and let him leave. She tells him, go home, get some sleep, call me in the morning. 
and he leaves Kim's place at 11.30 that night. Well, Bryce calls her around 1 a.m. This is about an hour and a half after he leaves Kim's house, and she assumed that when she got that call, he was already at his apartment. But cell tower records later showed that he was actually headed past the college about an hour further south. Okay. At 11 a.m. the next morning, the Laspisas get a notification from State Farm saying that Bryce's vehicle had needed roadside assistance. So Karen immediately calls Bryce's apartment and Sean answers and tells her that Bryce never came home the night before. They're starting to get worried now, obviously. And they notice a charge on their credit card from a repair shop in a town called Buttonwillow. Okay. Which is just a few hours from their house. Granted, they live seven and a half hours away from Bryce. Yeah. So they're thinking, okay, well, he's on his way to our house. Well, they aren't able to get a hold of him. He's not answering his phone. So they call the service station where the card was used. Mm -hmm. The owner of that place, a guy named Christian, he tells them, you know, yeah, he called from just down the road a little ways around 9 o'clock this morning needing some gas. You know, so I took him a few gallons or whatever. And he tells him, he says, give me about 15 minutes and I'll go back and make sure that he's not there, that every, that he left and everything's okay. So he drives to where Bryce was when he took him the gas and Bryce is still there. Okay. This is three hours after he took him gas. So he's been sitting in the same spot in his car for three hours. Okay. <laughs> so Christian calls Karen to let her know and then he gives Bryce the phone. And she asks him, what are you doing? And he just says, nothing. What the heck? And she tells him, look, you're three hours from home, get you some gas, and come here. Come home. So Bryce fills up, and he's expected to be home by 3 p.m. So this was about noon when he left the gas station. Well, now it's 3.30, and Bryce still isn't home. Mike and Karen, they keep calling him over and over, and they never get an answer. And at this point, they haven't been able to get in touch with Bryce for almost six hours. So they call the Orange County Sheriff's Department and they file a missing persons report. Mm -hmm. And the police use cell towers to locate Bryce's phone. You know, they do like the little pings and then Mm -hmm. triangulate and whatever. Mm -hmm. And they do find Bryce. He's still in Buttonwillow, eight miles from where he was nine hours ago. What the heck is going on? So in nine hours, he's only driven eight miles down the road. Police deputies find him parked on the side of the road close to the interstate. So it seems like he's stalling. Like Mm -hmm. he doesn't, he isn't sure if he wants to go home or he knows he doesn't want to go home. Something. Yeah, something's Mm -hmm. going on. The police give him a sobriety test and he gives them consent to search his vehicle and they find nothing. No alcohol, no drugs, no vivance, nothing like that. And the officers said that he appeared to be acting normal. He was talking fine, answering their questions. And when they ask him what he's doing, he tells them, you know, he's just trying to blow off some steam. Which, I mean, seems like a pretty legit reason for, you know, a 19-year-old going through stuff, just blowing off steam. But this is weird. Yeah, because, I mean, to the cops, it's probably not weird. But to his parents, they know because he won't talk to them. Yeah. Well, they tell him, look, your parents are worried. You need to call them and let them know that you're okay. And for some reason, they said that Bryce seemed hesitant to call his mom. So one of the officers calls and tells her, you know, he's here, he's safe, he seems perfectly fine. You know, there's nothing to indicate that he's not okay to drive. And then he gives the phone to Bryce. And Karen asks him again, what are you doing? And he tells her, you know, I'm putting my stuff back in my car because they searched it. Which is a very vague 
literal answer to what you're physically doing in that moment. Like, yeah. that's not what she's asking. But she yeah. tells him, okay, get you something to eat and come home. An hour after she talks to Bryce, Karen gets a return phone call from Christian, the owner of the repair shop, because she had called him earlier before they had found Bryce for the second time. Right. And he offers to go where the police found Bryce again and see if he's there. Well, this is a nice guy. Right? <laughs> and she's like, oh, no, I talked to him. Everything's fine. He's on his way home. And he was like, it's no big deal. So about 15 minutes later, he calls Karen back to tell her that Bryce is still there. An hour later? Yes. At this point, my hours may be a little mixed up, okay. but this is right. So whatever I've said before, this right here. At this point, he's been in Button Willow, basically, you know, driven those eight miles in 13 hours. Oh my gosh. 13 hours. Just sitting, not doing anything. So Christian tells Karen that he's going to follow Bryce and make sure he gets on the parkway, headed home. And so about 30 minutes later, they get on the parkway. Christian follows in. Christian follows him for about 10 miles. And then he calls Karen back to let her know he's headed that way. That just goes to show that there's still good people out there. Yeah. I feel like if it was me at this point, like, they they need to go get him. Yeah. Why didn't they go get him? Yeah. It, that's a big question. We'll get more into that, I'm, I'm sure. Um, over the next couple hours, Karen and Mike, they both talked to Bryce several times. His dad's asking him, you know, point out some landmarks or road signs to, you know, give him an idea of when he'll get there. And Bryce says, you know, it's too dark. He can't really see anything. But he just keeps telling him that his GPS says that he'll be there at 3.25 a.m. Okay. At 2.09 a.m., he calls his mom and he tells her that he's tired and he's going to pull off somewhere and sleep for a while. And she says, okay, you know, get you some sleep. So let's recap real quick. He left Kim's house at 11.30 on the 28th. Okay. It's now 2 in the morning on the 30th. He's been on the road for almost 27 hours altogether. Mm. And I understand that he's probably tired. Anybody would be. But my question is, if you had been told your child was abusing alcohol and ADHD medication, his friends were worried about him, his girlfriend was worried about him, he said he needed to talk to you about something, he had a lot to talk to you about, and all of this is going on, at what point would you go get your kid? Or would you go get your kid? Definitely before 13 hours. And then some. And like, I I don't Probably want to bash that. the parents, but I'm sorry. My opinion, I've never been in that situation, but... You're worried about your I kid. I would go get my kid. Well, you're worried about him, and if you feel like something's off, and he's just sitting there, like, that's not that's not even irrational behavior for someone who's going through something. Yeah. You know I mean, that's not even a common response to any kind of trauma or any kind of... I don't know, bad situation. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he was... It's like he's just shut down. That's, yeah. That's, it's like, it's not like he was like, you know, yeah, I'll be there. I'm on my way. And then the next time she calls him, he's like, oh, well, I stopped here to do this and I stopped here to do that. No, he's just sitting in the same spot. Yeah. I think whatever time that they called and the first time he was just still sitting there, mm-hmm. maybe the second time, but whenever you call it nothing, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. I think that would have been it for me. Yeah, I agree. And I talked to our other sister. Hey, Tina. <laughs> um, Hello. And we were talking about, you know, our mom, our dad, if that was us, they would come get us. Or they would find some way to get there to make sure that we were okay. But anyway, oh, yeah. Bryce tells Karen that he's going to get some sleep. 
Reminder, this is 2.09 in the morning. So now we're going to jump forward a little bit. The doorbell rings at the Las Pisa home at 8 a.m. 8 a.m. The door rings. So that's they not... They rung that door. Ring um, my bell. Ring my bell. Okay. It is a highway patrol officer, and he asks if they own a 2003 Toyota Highlander. And they say yes. This is Bryce's vehicle. Mm-hmm. He informs them that it was found about two hours north of their house. Okay, so they talked to him at 2.09, and this is 8 in the morning. So I'm wondering, like, did they go to bed? Were they like, okay, you sleep on the side of the road, or pull off from the road and get some sleep somewhere. I'm tired too, so we're going to go to bed. I mean, if he was... He was supposed to get there at 3.25 in the morning. If he wanted to sleep, like, did you go to sleep? I wouldn't be able to sleep. No, I mean, and also, no. I know it's frustrating. Knowing what you already know and knowing that he he wasn't even answering your calls. If it's night, you may not be able to see the landmarks, but you can see road signs. You have headlights. You can see like mile markers and stuff like that. He wasn't telling him. He's like, it'd be different if he was acting like he wanted to come home. Yeah. He was acting like he didn't. Anyways, (sighs) Bryce's car was found crashed on its side at the bottom of a 25 foot embankment at Castaic Lake. Bryce wasn't in the car. The back window had been broken from the inside, so the police believed, you know, this is how Bryce got out. Uh, There was a small spot of blood on the passenger seat headrest and another small spot in the back seat, but there wasn't, like, a significant amount, you know, nothing to suggest that he was seriously injured. Okay. His laptop and his phone were found in the car, but his duffel bag and wallet were outside of the car near the broken window. The police concluded that Bryce had gotten off the parkway and drove up this steep, like, rough hill where there was a cell tower, which we all kind of know, like, that kind of area. Yeah. Secluded and all those layers of tower. Uh, They said, according to the tire tracks, Bryce was accelerating when he went down that embankment. So now they're wondering if Bryce had been suicidal. From the way the hill was, it's kind of hard to explain, but I'm going to try to. Okay. From the way the hill was... The road was underneath it, but the lake was on the other side of the road. But because that embankment was so steep, you don't see the road. So it looks like if you go off that embankment, you're going to go straight into the water. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So they're thinking, you know, maybe that's why he went off of that embankment. Because he thought he would go straight into the water. Because he didn't know that that road was underneath there. Okay. With the police thinking that he may have did this intentionally... They want to learn a little more about his behavior leading up to the accident. Mm-hmm. So they talk to his friends, and they tell detectives that Bryce was drinking a lot of hard liquor, like two bottles every weekend, and Kim, his girlfriend, said that he was under the influence of alcohol and Vyvanse, that ADHD medication, the last night she saw him, which is why she didn't want him to drive, why mm-hmm. she took his keys. Sean, his roommate told investigators that Bryce had recently gave him his Xbox and gave him a pair of diamond earrings that his mom had given him, which is a telltale sign of suicidal thoughts. They're not going to need these things anymore. They're going to give them to, you know, their loved ones. Right. And also, whenever he broke up with Kim, he didn't say, you know, maybe we're just better apart. You're better off without me. You're better off without me, is what he said. So now the police are thinking that... If he was abusing alcohol and ADHD medication, maybe he experienced some kind of psychotic break. Mm -hmm. 
according to archives.drugabuse.gov, for people who don't have ADHD, taking that medication causes a dopamine overloid. <laughs> overloid? I was like, am I hearing this right? <laughs> you know what I thought about when you said that? What? Freakazoid. 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 Oh, oh, Lord. They don't make shows like they used to. Anyways. No. Instead of having the calming effect, you have a dopamine overload, mm-hmm. <laughs> which can disrupt communication within the brain. <laughs> communication. Oh, Lord. Communication. It can disrupt communication within the brain mm-hmm. and cause that euphoria, whatever. Okay. There's also the risk of overdosing on Vyvanse, which can lead to restlessness, confusion, hallucinations, panic, shock, a bunch of other stuff. Of course. Not to mention the side effect. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the side effects. Oh, my gosh. These are funny. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Proceed. Not to mention the effects of mixing it with alcohol. Yes. Bryce's dad said that he had a couple of incidents. I want to say I had read somewhere that in the past he had got in a little bit of trouble for having some pot or something like that. But Yeah. But he said they weren't really big enough things to make them think there was, like, a serious problem. Right. I mean, he was a teenage kid. It happens. Yeah. Um, his mom said that he did drink. She knew he drank while he was at college. But he had just spent the summer with them. And he didn't drink the whole time he was there. So she's thinking, which is a good point, what could have happened within two weeks? Yeah. To go from perfectly fine to suicidal. Yeah. Which is weird. Definitely raises questions. She said that her and Bryce were extremely close and that he would have told them if he was struggling with something, like with alcohol or substance abuse, he would have came to them. I talked to Tina Wiener about that too, Mm -hmm. and she said, you know, you can think that, but at that age, like, we were really close with our mom. We're still close to our mom, but there's some stuff you keep to yourself. I mean, we didn't have things that serious, but you don't realize that until you're older. Yeah, I mean, and I feel like... If you're going through something like that, where you're suicidal, or if you're having issues with alcohol and drug dependence, that's going to be something like way down on the list of things you're going to go to your parents for help with. Yeah. A lot of people don't even seek help. Yeah. And my thing is, too, she may be right. They, If they were close, he may have felt comfortable telling her. Maybe that's what he was going to talk to her about whenever he said, I have a lot to talk to you about. Yeah. They, and that's why he was going down there, but then... Somewhere along the way, he shut down. Yeah, which we don't know for sure. Mm. But anyway, uh, detectives believe that after the crash, Bryce continued on foot toward the lake, which is a 2,200-acre lake. Golly. Massive. (laughs) A large search was conducted the same day. They had hundreds of sheriff deputies. Did you just say deputies? I think so. We're going to ignore it. Okay. Well, I was going to. Sorry. (laughs) Hundreds of sheriff's deputies. They searched on foot, on ATVs, on helicopters, on horses, and they searched that entire weekend. Cadaver dogs were brought in to search, focused like mainly on the shoreline, which they also searched by boat. Mike made missing person flyers, and while he was outputting these up, Kim was at home. She was contacting the media. I'm assuming, you know, getting the word out, asking for help and all that. Yeah. But unfortunately, none of these efforts led them to Bryce. Five days after his disappearance, a jogger calls 911 to report a brush fire three miles away from where Bryce's vehicle was found. Okay. It turns out 
not to be a brush fire, but a person that was set on fire. What? Yeah. Within a few days, forensic testing of the remains concluded it was not Bryce Lesbisa. Okay. It was actually a man from Los Angeles who was a victim of homicide, obviously. So that's sad. Man. Yeah. So still no Bryce. And there's really no evidence at the scene at all. Nothing to suggest foul play. Nothing to suggest suicide. And they're thinking if it was suicide, they would have found him by now. I mean, you can't commit suicide and then consciously dispose of your body. I guess I feel like it could have been lost in the lake. But... However, police discovered, recovered footage from a surveillance camera that was at that cell tower. And it takes a picture of the rear license plate of every vehicle that goes up that hill. Okay. They find a photo of Bryce going up that hill three hours before his vehicle was found. This was captured at 2.15. He called his mom at 2.09 saying that he was going to get some sleep. So this is just six minutes after he told her that. Mm. Uh, The camera also gets a picture of Bryce's license plate going up the hill again in the same direction at 4.29 a.m. So you saw him walking up there? No, this is his license plate, a picture of his license plate. Twice? Yes. And this is almost two hours later. So he drove up the hill at 2.15, was doing who knows what, for almost two hours, and then he drove back up the hill in the same direction for a second time. Drove up there, drove back, and then did whatever for two hours, and then went back up. Yeah. That's the whole thing. They're like, what was he doing for two hours? Yeah. He said he was going to pull off the road to sleep. Well, he obviously already, didn't do that. I already felt like when he said that, that that wasn't what was going to happen. I, I don't know. At this point, police think that he was contemplating something. Yeah. Uh, nine days after the disappearance, the police used bloodhounds to try and track Bryce's scent from the scene. And two different dogs on two different occasions, they pick up his scent and they follow it from the side of the crash toward a truck stop. And that's where the trail ends. So now they have a theory. They think Bryce chose to walk away from his life. He crashed the car, walked to the truck stop, and then probably hitched a ride somewhere. This theory could explain why he lingered so long in Button Willow. They think, you know, maybe he didn't want to go home. Maybe he wasn't sure if he wanted to go home or he was contemplating whether or not he wanted to leave his life, to leave everything behind. Uh, More time passes. There's no more clues. There's no hits on any of his accounts. Nothing on his fingerprints. Uh, His credit cards are never used. Just nothing. And all of this information is now in the database for missing persons. So, if anything was accessed, they would know about it. Yeah. In August of 2014, almost a year after his disappearance, Mike and Karen meet a woman named Denise Savastano, I think is how you say her name. Sorry if it's wrong. Uh, She is a private investigator who specializes in missing person cases, and she agrees to help him pro bono, free of charge. Yay. Uh, She believes that Bryce did intend on going home. She doesn't think that he just walked away. And one of her reasons for thinking that is the fact that his GPS showed that he was headed home. My little think, my little think on that is it could explain why he wasn't telling his dad any landmarks or signs or anything because he plugged it in just so he could be like, this is when I'll be here. This is when I'll be here. This is when I'll be here. That's what I was going to say. Squirrel. There's a squirrel outside on on the deck. It happens all the time. Oh, cute. You can just sit and watch them. That's my personality right there, folks. Um, <laughs> so she thinks 
this uh, private investigator, she thinks that he injured his head in the crash. She said, you don't have to have like a ton of blood for you to get a concussion. Right. For you to become disoriented. Blaine, Blaine breed. <laughs> a brain bleed. Something like that. Yes. Brain <laughs> swelling. I mean, you know, sane yes. boiling. <laughs> so, uh. so she agrees with the family that he wouldn't just leave and not let him know that he was okay. In 2015, almost two years after he vanished, they hire a sonar specialist to search the lake. Okay. And what they do is they use sound waves to generate images of the bottom of the lake, which is yeah. about two to 300 feet deep. Little side note, the boat they used was named Xanadu. Oh, that's cool. I, I love was, that movie. Um, whenever you said the sonar, I was like, oh yeah, but it was because of Supernatural. Because... <laughs> Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, wait, that wasn't real. <laughs> <laughs> I do that all the time. Oh, man. Um, Darn these TV shows, especially the ones that are not about real stuff. <laughs> uh, anyway, Denise thinks that if Bryce was suicidal, he would have wandered into the deepest part of the lake. Question. Yes. Did his parents say if he could swim? Um, no. I don't think that was mentioned, like, anywhere. You'd think it kind of would be. Yeah, weird. I'll update y'all if I find that, because I'm going to look at that. Anyways. Because <laughs> if he could swim, then, yeah. I a mean, lot you, of people you could, do that, I though. mean, if it was that big, I was thinking you could get out there and then just be tired of doing anything else. Yeah. And know that, you know, even if my instincts I'm not gonna kick have in, the strength. I'm not going to be able to make it back. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, that's so sad. Um. So, Hopefully yeah. that didn't happen. So they're going to search this deepest part of the lake, which is a place called Government Cove. Okay. They search for two days. 12 hours each day, 24 whole hours of searching, and they found nothing. Denise also wonders if Bryce may have experienced some kind of late-onset mental illness, like bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, which develop anywhere from your teen years to your early 20s. I wonder if they can be triggered or manifested by drug and alcohol abuse. I don't know. I mean, that makes sense to me because Bryce would fall into that age range. And maybe that's what he wanted to talk to his mom about. You know, maybe he knew that something was wrong, something wasn't right, and he was scared because he didn't know what to do. Like, he didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Like, if he's starting to have these feelings all of a sudden, like, something in his brain is acting different. Yeah. Like, you would be scared. Man. But the Las Pisas think that if Bryce is alive somewhere, he had to have suffered some kind of injury and not know who he is because he wouldn't just not call. They're like, you know, that's not our son. Yeah. So now I want to go over all these theories okay, and kind of like break them down. Okay, so the first theory, the head injury, that he hit his head and he doesn't know who he is and he's out there somewhere, just he don't, he doesn't call his parents because he doesn't know who his parents are. Maybe by now he's created a life or something. There's a lot of theories that he could be homeless. Man. My thought on that is this is a well-known case. People, somebody would have seen him. There's been sightings of him and this and that, but none of them have turned into anything. Yeah. But I would think he would see that. At some point, I feel like he would see a flyer or he would see a billboard or... And find out who he is. Whatever. I mean, you're going to realize if that's missing, that's me. That's missing. (laughs) They're missing. That person missing, you know. (laughs) But then again, if he's homeless or something, he may not really have access to that kind of thing. So he may not see stuff like that. I don't know. I don't think it's high up there, but... Yeah. Another theory is that he was suffering from a sudden onset mental illness. 
That one to me sounds a little bit more plausible because of how drastically different his behavior had become. Mm-hmm. And that would also explain why he would not come forward because he doesn't, he's yeah. struggling with a mental illness. So he doesn't realize that that's what's going on. Yeah. That's toward the top of the list. Like, I think that more than a head injury. Yeah. And then just like having like amnesia. I think a mental illness explains it better than a head injury. I think that the head injury would be more plausible if the theory doesn't include him still being alive, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Next, that he chose to walk away and then hitched a ride at a truck stop. And I've heard somewhere, read somewhere, whatever, that some people think that his duffel bag was out of the car because he needed something in it. The people who think that he did just choose to walk away, they think that maybe he got a second phone out of the duffel bag, like a burner phone, Hmm. maybe some money that he would need to leave. I don't know. See, I don't think that that one's very likely either just because, well, he talked to his mom. Yeah. He did act like he wanted to tell her something. Something. (laughs) Tell her something. It doesn't make sense why he would want to do that, though. I don't see a reason behind that one. I don't know. That one doesn't make as much sense to me at all. The only thing I can think is I'm pretty sure Mike was not his biological dad. Okay. But he adopted him when he was two. Okay. So I'm assuming his dad wasn't in the picture. So some people think, you know, maybe he found his dad, his biological dad. And that's what he wanted to talk to his mom about. And he wanted to go off to find him or this, that, whatever. I feel like if that's a common theory out there, his parents would have reached out to his biological father. Yeah. And something would have come of that. I did have another thought, though, if he chose to leave, if he struggled with bipolar disorder or something. Mm-hmm. You know, there's actually more than one or multiple personalities. That's what I'm thinking. Not bipolar. Yeah. But multiple personalities. Like, what if it was him, but... It wasn't. Uh, right. I don't know much about the multiple personality disorders, like, at all. But based on, I'm going to say movies, <laughs> um, if the other personality supposedly is in there, then I feel like sometimes they're aware of what's going on. They're just not in control. But what if whatever happened that brought this one in control and they're like, I don't want to be here. This isn't my life. I don't know. That's just the. I don't know. <laughs> I know. Um, I just started watching a documentary on Netflix called... Uh, the many faces of us. Uh, I can't even think of his name. Billy Mulligan. I don't know. Whatever. Who is, um, but... He apparently had different personalities and stuff. And I think the first episode, it says that like Billy, the actual person, they had like made him go to sleep when he was like 16. And then he woke, they like brought him back or whatever. And he was in the driver's seat and he didn't know anything that was going on. Yeah. I don't know. You should watch it though. All of y'all should watch it because that's pretty interesting. Okay. Um. But yeah. The next one is... That he was suicidal and his body was just never found. If he was suicidal, I don't think he completed suicide because he would have been found. I believe he would have been found by now. But also, I'm wondering if maybe he was suicidal and that is why he went off that embankment. Mm -hmm. But then after that, it didn't work. So then he just took off. Yeah. So he did choose to walk away and he was suicidal. Both. So, you do believe that he could have walked away? Yeah, I really do. They followed his scent to the truck stop. Yeah. And some people think, you know, another good theory is he did walk away from the crash, 
but then he was met with foul play after that. Like, he made it to the truck stop, and then, you know, you never know who you're going to get in a vehicle with or down the road or, you know. So you don't feel like he made it to the truck stop trying to... Does it make sense for the truck stop to be in a place where he was going to try to find help? That's what I'm saying. He could have either walked away and then was going to the truck stop and then was met with foul play then or taken or whatever, or he made it there and hitched a ride and... Who knows after that? Does anybody know if his phone was still working after the crash? I don't think anything was wrong with it. It didn't say anything was wrong with it. It was just found in the car. So my thing is, if he didn't intentionally leave, why did he use it? If he did need help or did want help? Why has that never entered my mind? Why didn't he use his phone? Maybe it wasn't working. Just like the, That'd be nice to know. If it wasn't working, then you can't say one way or the other. But if his phone was charged... And it wasn't damaged in the accident, but if he was so out of it, he might not have even thought to charge it, and he didn't wasn't even calling his parents, so mm-hmm. that he even want to. I mean, to. we know the last time he used it was two oh nine. But if it was working and charged, and he didn't use it, then he either wasn't in his right mind or he did leave by choice. And like I said, that one theory they think maybe he got a like a burner phone out of his duffel bag, and that's why it was out of the car. Yeah. I don't know. Now, if you, if, if you do know those facts, though, which I don't know if you could ever find them. I will try to look up if the phone was working and, like, update on that in the there next episode. There was something episode. else. What else was there? Um, <laughs> if he could swim. Yes. I actually talked to our other sister, Sniffney. Mm-hmm. Hey, Sniffney. Uh, Stephanie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know what we're saying. Our mother did not name her Sniffney. <laughs> and she did not name the other one Tina Wiener either. <laughs> In your wheeler either. Anyways. <laughs> Christina and Stephanie. Um, oh, so I was man. talking to Stephanie. She said, what if Bryce did talk to his mom about what he wanted to talk to her about and she helped him leave? Hmm. This is crazy. I know. I don't think this theory is up there toward the top of my list, but it I've never heard why. any. I've never heard or read anybody else come up with this theory. It would make sense why she didn't go get her kid. Why she didn't go get him and why it seems to me like she wasn't concerned enough, which I don't want to bash her because at the end of the day, she doesn't know where her son is, supposedly. Yeah, she's a mother and we don't know what we would do in that situation unless the time actually came. Yeah. But the only thing it doesn't explain is the wreck. Yeah. If they had this thing planned out, this and that, like fake his death or whatever, or go live... Go live, live. go live a new life. You can't guarantee that that is not going to kill you if you go off that embankment. So yeah. that's the main thing that does And blood it. was found in there. So it wasn't just his car that was shoved over the edge. Um, a couple quotes. Karen Bryce's mom said, I want him to be found because he needs to know he is loved by his mom and his dad, all his family, and all his friends. And I just want him to be able to hear my voice. Because I love him and life is not the same without him. Mm. So sad. Also, the lead detective on Bryce's case, Detective Sergeant Robert Martindale, he believes Bryce is still alive. Okay. And he said, I think that the fact that we haven't found any signs of Bryce or any activity of Bryce, I think he just kind of wanted to get off the grid for a bit and get away. I know in my heart he's out there somewhere. I just don't know where. That's the lead detective. Um, that makes me feel like he's out there. Just that statement I right there. I feel I feel like he's out there. If he's not out there now, he was out there. Yeah. Somewhere. 
and certain circumstances, whatever happened after that. But I do think that he walked away from that for sure. Um, real quick, I just wanted to go over his missing persons info on the NamUs website. He's described as 5'11", 160 pounds, short red hair, blue eyes, and he has a large tattoo on his left shoulder. Is it Taurus or Taurus? I usually say Taurus. The zodiac sign? I think I say Taurus. Oh, well, I'll probably say it wrong. Uh, the Taurus Taurus bull which is his zodiac sign and uh, it had some roman numerals he was last seen wearing white cargo shorts a blue and white checkered shirt and white and red nike sneakers if you have any information you are encouraged to call the los angeles county sheriff's department or the national center for missing and exploited children and i will link the namus website the missing person info and the numbers to those two places in the show notes which are beneath the episode description and I get my hopes up, but that would be awesome. Right. You it's know. It's been nine years. Yeah. Um, so he'd be about 28 now. Uh, there's also a Facebook page dedicated to finding Bryce, and I will link that in the show notes as well. So, yeah, that is the baffling story of Bryce Lespisa. Sad. On the Facebook page, there's been, like, sightings of Bryce and stuff, and some of them are uncanny how similar really? they look. But, I mean, the thing is, all they'd have to do is look at his left arm. Yeah. Unless he happened to get it, get that tattoo removed. Yeah. But they've ruled out everybody that people have came up with. So. Yeah. Do you know if any of those sightings, so-called, have been recent? Um. Because if that's the case, then that means people are still looking. Okay, I'll pause real quick so I could check that. Um, on the Facebook page, uh, the last update was April 25th. Cool. There was a sighting in Montana. Uh, it was believed to be him, but it was not Bryce. Saying that would be really sad if, like, you got on there and looked and it was just, like, nothing for, like, the past few years. No. So, I mean, it seems like yeah. it's still Good. very active, which is great. Good. This is kind of ending on a downer note, but you well, never know. We don't know. I feel like he's still out there. I do, too. And I feel like this is really interesting. It's different. Um, there's a lot of different theories. I wanted to do something that we hadn't done yet, and yeah. out of all the missing person cases, this one has always stuck out to me. Yeah. I mean, his his smile sticks with you, mm. so, and... You know, I mean, I feel like things happen for a reason, you know, for, for whatever reason you felt drawn to do this. I mean, he went missing in California, but it's been almost 10 years, so who knows where he could be now, so yeah. if even just one, if it makes one person pay a little more attention and look out for him then it's worth it. So yeah. uh, if you have any stories, case suggestions, if you have any theories about uh, Bryce's case, you can email us at relativelydarkpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram. Yes. Which is also Relatively Dark Podcast. Yes. <laughs> I forgot for a second if podcast was on the end of that. Yes. And I think we are going to make a Facebook page, either a Facebook page or a Facebook group. Um yes. Just to have another outlet, because I know some people don't have Instagram. I yeah. never use Instagram. I, I don't really either. <laughs> um, we will link that in the show notes as well. So, yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. Come again. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, alligator. <laughs> <laughs>